0: Guard is joining in and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Salima! for Osaka beaten out by the race and touched in by Jesus! Bukai Osaka! Such noise! A crowd of gunners euphoria!
1: Hello and welcome back to the Bruised Banana FC podcast where today we get to talk about. A game we hoped was going to be not as traumatizing as the weekend, and up being 10 times as traumatizing as the weekend. So, this is going to be a good chat. We're also going to talk about the upcoming game against Villa, who obviously just beat City, which was amazing on the day. Like, they played so well. But at the same time, now we've got to go up against them. So, a bit scary. But luckily, with me to talk all this through, I am joined by the rudest Ben. How you doing, Ben? I tell you what, mate,
0: if David Ryo had cost us against Luton, I would have been rude on this podcast. Um, but thankfully we have, we have Declan Rice to thank for me being
1: a bit more polite and hopefully a bit less, uh, downbeat. Yeah. I think to be fair, Declan Rice has done a lot of favors for Raya, um, to be honest. So yeah, obviously I'll say as well, I am the rustiest Luke with the help of the Bruce Runner FC random superlative ejective generator. Um, and yeah, I mean, we spoke about the Wolves game, Ben. Just literally, just a couple of days ago, almost, and we were talking about how we started off well, how we scored two really, really good goals, and then we kind of we we came off of it. We we took our foot off the gas, we didn't back into it, and we brought it into squeaky bum time. And we didn't need it to go into squeaky bum time, and we said, hopefully, Luton is not quite the same, and it wasn't really the way it went. How how did you find the game? It's a bit annoying,
0: really, because I actually thought. It was a very, very good away performance for the most part, uh, underlined by oh, sorry, undermined by our inability to defend set pieces and uh, yeah, goalkeeping error. But I want—I want to ask you first because this is important. Did you notice the pitch size? I believe it's the second smallest in the Premier League.
1: Yep, I bloody did. Do you know, I mean, maybe it's just because we literally spent <laughs> half an hour talking about it the day beforehand. But I do think, and I, I always thought about it. Do you remember when QPR were in the Premier League? I always thought it was thought of QPR as well. QPR always had a really small pitch, and like I don't really know how much the difference between like Arsenal's pitch and Luton's pitch really plays into it. But I do think that having that that less amount of space helps teams like Luton press a bit higher because I noticed that Luton, where we, we thought that they'd sit in like a deep block, and maybe at times they did. Like, did did you also find that really like? They were pressing us quite high up the pitch, and it didn't look like there was that much space for us to exploit from it.
0: Yeah, I, they actually got their press like not not quite spot on, but really close to spot on. They seemed to have a really good understanding of when to go, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I thought I thought we missed Sinchenko in that regard, getting out of the press. There was a few times where Kivy or you know, if Sinchenko had been there, we might not have had to go long or down the line or you know backwards, but. Uh, yeah, Luton Luton surprised me, especially, I say that, when I saw the team sheet and sort of Ross Barkley and Andros Townsend on there, I did sort of have a moment fearing the worst, you know, <laughs> Arsenal, me Arsenal of 2018-17, you know, we would, have, we would have lost 2-1 to an Andros Townsend goal from 30 yards, so it felt like going into the game, I know we said we were confident and then we predicted, you predicted 2-1 I think, didn't you? I think I actually predicted like
1: a bit more. What did comprehensive? I predict? Two, what, two one.
0: I can't remember. <laughs> Basically, we predicted a bit more comprehensive, and it looked like it was going to be when we scored the first goal. You know, that really clever little, uh, little little throw-in routine. But uh, we just, we just switched off. We switched off from set pieces, and that's all they had as well. Like I can't think of another effort they had aside from the one that went in. Um, I can't think of another effort they had, like from open play. I just it was a set of pieces, and we just gifted them two goals
1: from two very innocuous set pieces. I mean, that was really the story, wasn't it? Because I mean, to be fair, from the off, you could tell they were up for it. You could tell that they were organised. I think Rob Edwards has done such a good job at getting that, like that, that team as close to prem ready as you possibly can be of that team. Because I mean, I've said before, I think this Luton team reminds me a lot of the Blackpool team that came up. Um, we be being Holloway, like I can't remember how many years ago, but it just you, you felt that at the time, like the the intentions were there, like like you could see the effort level of the players, like there was there was a magic in the story of it, but just in terms of quality, too many of those players just weren't like what they just didn't have it. So I think they they did really well in the day, and obviously you know we know they're they're good at home because at the end of the day, before this game, Lewin had conceded as many goals at home as Spurs had conceded at home, which I think is eight. So, you know, they're not a team that gets turned over a lot at home. And like we saw the game against Liverpool where Liverpool took to the 95th minute to score against them, which is probably why, similar to what you were just saying, it's frustrating when we've scored the first goal through amazing from Jesus and Zaka to just to like, I think this is the the part where Luton get caught, caught out sometimes is the at the Premier League, you switch off for a second and you can be punished. And that's literally what happened is Zaka makes a little run towards Jesus and then he kind of dances on his feet, goes the other way. Jesus is completely locked into it, gives him the pass. Martinelli is completely locked into it. He's running a cross goal and it ends up being 1-0 to Arsenal. And you think the first goal's out of the way now. They're going to have to come out a bit more. We can bide our time a little bit more. We can maybe try and dominate a bit more possession because we struggle to do that at that point. And hopefully that will just end up in us eventually getting more goals. But then, and obviously we're going to come onto the goalkeeper because we can't not. But at the same time, for, for the first goal, the, the keeper is not really... Um, a, really an element in this that the corner goes in the box and a player that doesn't even have to jump is getting a header onto it and that's the that's the bit disappointing to me is that we've made such a good reputation out of being so good from set pieces both attackingly and defensively and the ball's gone in the box and a player hasn't even had to jump and i think that almost kind of set the tone for the rest of the day like what what do you think about that
0: yeah i mean it, it was it's sort of one of those head in hands moments because as you say, we worked so hard to craft an opener against a a loot inside the you know you you are a spot odd. they they were very prem ready, they or as prem ready as they could be. They pressed really well, they were playing really well. And we had that moment of quality and that moment where they switched off where we could get the opener. And that is sort of like the that that's that's the bit where you want to be able to kick on and say, Oh well, you're one nil up, you can hold onto the ball a bit longer, probe a bit like probe into the space a bit more, tire them out. But we immediately give them back the initiative and give them give them a time where they can get back into their block and you know reset back into a, a game state where they're coming away with a point. So it you know it undid everything that we did and to uh, do it so cheaply. I think it was the, it was their first corner of the game or something, and it was a really cheap corner to give away. I remember on the on the uh, right hand side. So it just felt like we knew loot and strengths were set pieces. And we didn't seem to combat it well um, and I don't know whether that was a player switching off or a tactical like um wrinkle, but it just it just felt like the whole night for the set of pieces we weren't at it,
1: well, they had three corners all night, so I think mean, that lose the problem is that they had three corners, and was it two of those were goals? I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. though so I mean the first goal I remember the the second goal that Raya flaps at, And then I remember the Ross Barkley goal. I'm actually trying to... God, maybe I've pressed it. Jesus. um, uh, Yeah, so they've scored from at least two of their three corners, which is a pretty good return by them. But it does... You have to look at the issue of that. And obviously, as I say, from the first one, it's not a Raya issue. But the the other goals are 100% Raya issues. And you come into this... Just you look at the score, the optics are very, very bad, isn't it? It's like... You conceded three against Luton. Before this, we'd only conceded three away goals all season, so we know that we're good away. Like, like I, I always think when I do my predictions on this pod that we're more likely to concede at home than we are concede away. It feels like we're good at keeping clean sheets away. I'm not sure how that mentality really works, but but it, it feels like we're so much better at at being more resolute and not having those moments that that end up giving the other team those chances to score goals but Luton only created 0.67 XG according to the XG philosophy on Twitter and they scored three goals from it. So you have to look at the issues for that. And as I say, the first one, obviously it's not right, but the goal where it goes in and he he's coming through the crowds and no, it's not even to a point where he's got like three or four players pushing up against him. They're not even like kind of crowding him like we do with a lot of teams. He just, he almost kind of tries to go in. There's no really conviction in his jump. And, and then it's, it's almost, it's just too easy, isn't it? It's like, and, and then we talk about the Ross Barkley goal as well, where he it, 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 it shifts it, he shoots it right next to him. And I'd say that even if he chooses to go down to his hand, he should get down quick enough to save it. But the fact is like any keeper seeing that, like when he takes a shot and they see that it's that close to them, you just go with your feet. And I know a lot of the pundits after the game were making mm-hmm. the same point as that. It just, these are so avoidable. Um, yeah. We said we said on this pod, right, that Ramsdale's probably not going to get back in. We'd say it takes something dramatic to get Ramsdale back in. How dramatic do you think that performance was in that landscape?
0: Well, I think I said I said on Twitter at the time, I was like, if Ramsdale is ever going to get his place back in this side, it will be at Villa Park. But I mean, I, you know, I don't see it because... <laughs> We know we we. I think we even spoke about it before uh, after the Wolves game about how ruthless Mikel Arteta is and about dropping Zinchenko potentially. But it doesn't. I don't know if it's, it extends to like everybody. You know, I think like as long as Mikel Arteta saw what he wanted from Raya in the build-up, then he'll. I don't know. Do you think he'll overlook the goalkeeping mistakes because like, he's made so many now that
1: it's a case of he's overlooked them until now? That the, I think the problem is right. That when Ramsdale has played in goal, he hasn't really staked his claim. Like if if Ramsdale, um, uh, when he played against Brentford in the league, right? If he didn't make those howlers, which could have easily ended up into goals, and then against West Ham, if he didn't have like a pretty bad day there as well, in my opinion, if he played really well in these two games, then I think you come out from that game thinking, well, Ramsdale's been showing some really good stuff in the appearances that he's just done. So maybe we should think about bringing him in, but the problem is he's looking as shaky as Raya. And this is where I had a problem with this whole idea from the start. It's it's not that I that I want one over the other. It's the fact that I never really believe that two top goalkeepers can really coexist, and that's because with goalkeepers, more than any other position, when you make a mistake, it's a goal, and it's a, that's a huge like consequence of a mistake. Whereas you know. So sometimes a defender can give the ball away and maybe it won't end up in a goal. Maybe it can end up own bad. But like usually you can make mistakes in these areas. In midfield and up front, you can make mistakes and you don't always get those big consequences. In goal, a lot of the time you make a mistake and it's in the back of the net, especially at this level. So the, the problem I have with this whole situation is you don't want keepers, in my opinion, to feel like someone's breathing down their neck. I get the the idea that you want a keeper that's good enough to push them to, to think, okay, I need to be at my best every day in training. But at the same time, I think there's a reason why most teams want keepers to feel secure in their position because it means they go out without that cloudness in their head, without that doubt, without that pressure that if they make a mistake, then it could be the be-all and end-all. And I think that's the situation we're in now where every time Ramsdale goes into the goal now, he knows he's got to be prime Khan to get any chance to get in ahead of Raya. And Raya's going out thinking well, I've not really been told I'm definitely number one and Rams has a good keeper as well. So if I keep making these mistakes, I'm going to lose my place. So I think it, it's it's almost making both of them worse goalkeepers because n- neither of them have the confidence or I guess the the lack of pressure to be able to go out without a clear mind. Like, w- w- what do you think?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know the reason. But you mentioned Prime carton. and Raya was moving like Primal spina on against Luton.
1: <laughs> it was just like... People are calling him Raya Munia. yeah um
0: yeah i I don't i agree i've always agreed with you i know we've had this discussion several times about two goalkeepers and is it good and it's probably not good and this is why it's one of those things where it's gonna have to be sorted out one way or another soon like whether raya's just told you are undisputed number one if if we if that's the if that's the reason but we can't keep going on like this. When we I saw <laughs> someone suggested we play Ramsdale for the away games and Raya for the home games, you're like, it's just, it's a, <laughs> it's just a bit of a piss take at that point, isn't it? It's like babying yeah. two fully grown adults. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's got to change, and it's got to it's got to improve. We've, I've, I'd say we've got to improve. But I thought we were quite good again. So like, it's just, mm. I saw I saw a, I don't know if you've seen the stat. Arsenal simultaneously have the best effect, or simultaneously have the best defense in the league, and have the most errors leading to goals. Yeah,
1: which is <laughs> like, mad.
0: <laughs> can you imagine if we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot? We'd we'd pick up points against more points against Spurs, and we'd have picked up more points against Fulham. Like we we we're six points clear of City at the moment. We could be twelve points or ten points clear of City. It's
1: yeah,
0: honestly, this team like Premier League games have some consequence. But not as much as like Champions League knockout games, and it needs to be sorted by that point, or FA or the FA Cup tie against Liverpool we got coming up. Because mistakes in those games, you're not going to get the sort of chances that we got against Luton to score four. There'll be games where you, you know, you can only score two maybe, and if you're conceding one from a a mistake, then you're already playing catch up. That is
1: literally, it, isn't it? And I mean, I say and feel and, and we can we can move on from the goalkeeping situation now because we've we've covered it quite well, I think, but you know, as you say, it is something that we've got to sort out and, and in the team as well because it it's just it feels mad to me that we can be so good defensively generally. And you can see like in a lot of games don't really give away chances. Like even in the looting game, 0.67 XG in a in a game that we conceded three goals in, they had four shots on target all day. Um uh, they only had the three corners, so we didn't even give them that many set pieces. So I mean it it just feels like for a team that Maybe is a bit young. Maybe that's part of why. But as 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 you mentioned, it's people like as well that's doing it.
0: Like when you look at like if the mistakes are in goal, then Raya and Ramsdale are both uh, see, like pretty seasoned professionals, um, and the mistakes aren't coming from the young, like the young players in the team. That was Saka against Fulham, but you know Saliba's playing fine. Um, you mm. know. He's, Martin Edergard, even Fabio Vieira, when he's played, has been like the mistakes are coming from, as you say, like Jorginho, Zinchenko, players yeah. that honestly <laughs> should know better.
1: Um, That's true. It's true. And it just,
0: it is just like it feels like at times they're playing with too, like playing too comfortably, and like you just they just switch off for a second, and before you know it, we've conceded or something. And it's just, as I say, it needs to change. Something needs to happen there. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I feel like we will just keep conceding stupid goals because we concede <laughs> because we can see so few so few goals though. Like the goals that we concede have to be stupid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you can have the um, oh what's his name? You can have the the uh, Benny Hill music going over the Arsenal conceding <laughs> real this this season. Like it's been ridiculous. I can't think of a single goal where I've gone. Oh, you know what? Oh, actually, that's a lie. Cunha's goal for Wolves is really good. But even that was from a mistake. But, like, yeah. I don't know. We don't concede a goal. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That was really well worked. That was really that was, I was really well beaten. It's like, right, who's given the ball away? Who's forgotten to track the run? You know, who's lost out in the header? All that. It's like, it feels like we're just shooting ourselves in the foot time and time again. And, in okay. fairness, if we're doing that um, and still winning, then I suppose that's good. Because there'll be a time when, surely, we don't shoot ourselves in the foot.
1: Well, um, you hope know so.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. So hopefully we pick up the points now while we're doing it and when we're not doing it. Who knows, man? It's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because we're top, like, a couple of points clear and no Arsenal fan will say we've had a, like, we've played well this season. Like, we've had some good spells, but if you ask them, have you played well, we'll say, not really. We've been a bit, like, dysfunctional and... We ground out results. We've had a lot of late winners, but yeah, it's it's a, it's
1: a weird. Have you seen that meme where the guy that the meme is someone's tweeted saying, "Last night I asked my boss to give me less money for wages because I trusted my grind so much." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen like that. that. Like landlord to increase my rent because I want to because <laughs> yeah, like, I trust my grind.
0: That's the word. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit like that. But it's
1: also what Man City are doing, isn't it? It's like <laughs> <Yeah>. it's just. <sighs>
0: It's a weird season.
1: Yeah. I mean, but coming away from that, there is obviously, as you say, like, you know, it was a good performance. There is still a lot of positives you can take from it. And one of the biggest ones is another good performance for Kai Havertz, who's really starting to put together now a good body of work to, to show that he can be like something positive in this team. And I thought I saw against Lewin, especially when we went behind a player that is a lot more confident and willing to take responsibility and try and, push us forwards and that's not really something I've seen from him in pretty much any game previously so I think that he's becoming a lot more comfortable in his own skin at Arsenal and I think that in his goal you kind of see part of the formula of what Arteta really wants to have at Arsenal which is Gabriel Jesus is one of the best striker foils in the league possibly in Europe and when you've got someone like him that is so amazing technically and can do so much when you get the ball into his feet then you need to have a midfielder that has that intelligence to run past him and just that kind of link up where you see jesus doing so hard to hold off the defender and then uh, take the ball down and just pass into habit to again scores a, a such a similar goal to one against lance which isn't coincidence because it is the the intelligence of his position in his runs and then he just pokes it past the goalkeeper this could be um a, a player that could score, he could be our top scorer this season, if he continues this form like, like, what did you make of the Kai Havertz performance?
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was his best game in an Arsenal shirt, I, I mean I've been, as you know I've been on the Havertz uh, sympathiser side since we signed him, I really like him as a player but he did take some time to find his feet and you know I think it's difficult because he's being asked to play sort of as a left 8 in a 4-3-3 and as a striker in a 4-4-2 Mm-hmm. and it you know you know what i mean he's playing as that left eight yeah. but also effectively asked to run beyond jesus when we're in situations like that so it's a new role i think he's i think he's improving every game i thought he had his as i say had his best game against luton um and I, I do i do honestly think that if you don't watch the ball all the time he becomes a lot better like oh, he was before and now he's getting on the ball as well and making things happen and obviously goals are going to change perceptions and improve perceptions you know you could if he'd had an awful game and scored like like take um cole palmer against united he was having an awful half scored and all of a sudden you know he's like oh he had a decent half he scored Mm -hmm. a goal because goals are such a valuable currency in football but I, i think he's really starting to find his feet and i'm i'm really interested to see where it goes because obviously we don't have anyone else like him in the squad so going forward um at left eight if he's a, if he's not in side, it's Trossard who's a bit different or Fabio Vieira who's very different like it sort of has to work with Havertz and i think i think it will you know he's by all accounts a very intelligent very hard working footballer so i'm i'm happy that we're seeing sort of what i guess was planned to happen coming to fruition is is quite um reassuring i suppose that Arteta and edu haven't lost their marbles
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, to be honest, it's it's good to see at this point because I think we're about to go into the Christmas run in, where obviously you know we we're we're into that point now where the calendar's full of games, and you know, with Liverpool coming kind back into their ascendance and City will at some point get it right. You know that the points pick pick up in this run when everyone's tired and all the teams below us are playing a lot more games than they're used to playing. That the points to pick up here are so valuable because when it comes to January and we get obviously the the Liffey Cup game and then the winter break, we need to be able to kind of go into that winter break knowing the situation. So we can kind of go away, recuperate and plan. And so I think these games are huge. So just picking up win is amazing. Obviously, like I say, Habits played amazingly. Um, uh, Gabby Jesus again, like like he was a leader on that pitch. He like he wanted the ball. He scored the goal. We set up a goal. He was always looking to, um, like, even his part for the Martinelli goal where he kind of sprints over to take the throw in and um, uh, creates that chance. It's stuff like that, isn't it? It's the players that have that ability to play the game at like 90 miles an hour for the duration of that 90 minutes so that are the players that really show up in these types of games. And also, I don't want to like gloss over the, you know, Saka again. We know what Saka does. Um, uh, but obviously we have to talk about Declan Rice because Declan Rice was once again the the 90 plus minute winner for, for Arsenal oh, this time in 100 the million
0: game. pound bargain
1: 100%. 100% if, if I've ever seen one. I I tell you like um ask a question as well. I saw a really interesting tweet um where you know a lot of people are saying 100 million what a bargain give um West Ham another 20 million like as a joke obviously. Um but I saw someone say Maybe this is what a hundred million player, like pound player, looks like, and we've just seen so much stupid overspending on players that just aren't worth that kind of money. That we're almost kind of become deluded in our heads from from what we've seen. That we think that that this isn't what we should be expecting. Like, like, what do you think about that? Do you think that because, because I mean, hundred million pounds, fuck ton of money, right? Like, I've spent the money on anyone. Like, well, admittedly, when we bought Rice if he had scored no goals up to this point, but still performed as he's performing, I'd have said, this is what I expect from Rice. But the fact that he's adding these incredible point winning moments on is obviously like a huge thing. But do you think like Rice is at this point in time performing as a hundred million pound player should be performing?
0: Yeah. I mean, undoubtedly, I think you expect a hundred, a million pound player to transform your team. And that is what Declan Rice is doing defensively mm-hmm. and offensively. You know, he's so good, at breaking up play and seeing passes through, like his, his passing through lines does need some work, but it's still very good. Like when we're saying needs some work, you know, needs some work for a player that costs a hundred million pounds. You might expect to do it better, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. everything else he does, breaking up the play, reading the play, uh, recycling the ball, it's all incredible. Like it's to the highest standard that you could ask for if you're building a footballer. Um, and as you say, the fact that he's adding goals in, which I know is something he's said several times that he wants to do in his career. That's that's only gonna help him further and make him a better all round player, and we've got to just hope that he carries on because he is, he's unbelievable at the moment. There's no there's no two ways about it. You know, he is, he's he's going to quickly rival Saka for the face of Arsenal Football Club. I think.
1: Mm, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think the, the best way I'd describe it is when we talk about like his passing and line, like say the line breaking passes. The best thing i would explain is like you have if I have him on one hand and Zinchenko never hands, I'd say Rice has more passes in his locker than Zinchenko. Like if you're going to go through, if you're going to put them both on a, like a training pitch and say, okay, I want you to like fizz this one into this guy's feet. I want you to like switch this over to that flank. to Like, like that. if you were to go through every pass that like we've seen Xabi Alonso, Steven Gerrard, Paul Skulls play, I'd say all in all, um, I'd say Declan Rice has got more of, his, more of them in his locker, but I'd say that Zinchenko. The reason he is more progressive than Declan Rice is because it, it's, it's stuff along with the passes. It's, it's the his his touch and it, like the brain as well. The fact that I think sometimes a big thing about Zinchenko is his first touch always takes the ball into an angle that creates the angle for the pass and I think it's stuff like that that Rice has to work on it's the consistency of that but you know he's he's coming a long way and and I think well, he is actually he's, his third player.
0: he's spoken before about um sort of like learning from Jorginho and Jorginho is similar mm. to Zinchenko in that way because exactly they don't have the physicality that Rice has to be able to sort of bully their way out of situations we've seen it with party as well you know he can go shoulder to shoulder if he takes a heavy touch and come out with a ball Zinchenko and Jorginho don't have that luxury so you know if Rice can pick up all the things that Jorginho does and he won't do he won't be um you know he won't be as good because Jorginho's reading of the game understanding of the game seeing passes and everything is sort of one of those things that comes naturally to him I'm sure. but if he picks up like any even half of what jorginho has got, then he'll be an unbelievable player. Like he'll continue to develop, and that's what you, I guess that's kind of what you want to see as well. You don't want to see him at a hundred million and stay there. You want to see him adding more strings to his bow. Like if he scores, if he starts scoring from outside the box when there's actually a keeper there, for instance, unlike at Chelsea, <laughs> um, you know, you start seeing that. And you're He's like, wow, a few
1: times, yeah, I mean, yeah, he has,
0: he has. But it's like if we're struggling to break down a low block, and do you remember? Is it Thomas party against? I can't remember who it was. I know he had the woodwork against Spurs, but yeah, oh. against Southampton.
1: I was, Couldn't I get. was, um, I was, I was there for that one. Unfortunately, and no. I mean, I'm talking about the, the goal dejection. that he scored. Was was that oh. against Spurs? Oh, you know, yeah, he it yeah, yeah. into the top corner from like a standing start.
0: Yeah, but... I know he hit the bar against Spurs as well. I think that was away. But if Rice can start doing that on a regular basis, then all of a sudden you've got yet another way to break down a low block, yeah. which I is just a, thun- a meant, thunderbuster um... from thirty
1: yards. Do you remember the Thomas Pi when we were... we were to uh, go, like, I've tried well, to we... erase that from my brain, yeah, yeah, yeah. my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Please, can me. we not? It, it still yeah. hurts. <laughs> just every <laughs> I someone that. said
0: to someone said to me, watch it, and every time focus on a different player, and I've never been able to see it the same again because, like, really? you watch <laughs> you watch four people like fall to their knees. You hear sixty thousand people in the stadium just sigh, like the massive man. sigh of depression. It's, just, it's
1: mad because oh, it was raucous, man. man. Like as soon as Erdogan yeah, got yeah. that yeah. goal, well, Trossard hit raucous. the bar, didn't he? Yeah, so it was yeah. like a. God.
0: Everyone thought we were going to get the winner, and then we had the chance to continue circulating the ball, and like we had two on the right. I remember we had, <laughs> I think we had Saka and White on the right, and you just see party line it up, and you just th- hit everybody in front of their TVs going, "Please, for the love of God, no!"
1: <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> it just Stop. flies into like oh, X. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, yeah, man. We can move on now, and you know, amazing moment, like a 90th minute winner, man. Like, that is football. Other than winning trophies and things of that, like, Like, there's n- few things that are more pure than a 95th-minute winner. And obviously, Mikel Arteta knows that because up for the celebration that goal, he will now not be in the dugout um, for the weekend's game against Villa away, which is obviously a crock of bullshit. I can't lie. Amelia, um, I've not actually seen a video of him doing anything wrong. I thought, like, one might have come out by now. Have you seen anything? Wait. He celebrated too hard. Come on. He like ran five yards down the touchline and
0: then hugged his <laughs> uh, hugged his technical stuff. It's too hard. Come on. We it's don't do that stuff. here. He's nice. only a 98th minute winner. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not really worth celebrating, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's weird, honestly ridiculous when you see the sort of things that other other managers get away with. And that's the not... Video
1: he That's, that's run not a
0: referees hate Arsenal job. That's a, referees are f- stupid and don't understand... Like, how can you not celebrate a 95th minute winner? Like, if you live the game like like managers do now, like, if you score a 90th minute winner, you're not going to stand their hands in pockets, like, oh my God, it's so good. You know, like, you're going to be celebrating because it's something that you've worked so hard on all week to break down this side. You've nearly thrown it away. You've come back and you've, like, on it. It makes no, like, the idea. I understand the idea of VAR and I understand the idea of. Cautioning managers for dissent and stuff, but if we're going to start policing celebrations, then like it's pointless because football is all about those moments. And you know, like, do you remember? Do you remember um, Mourinho running off down the touchline? Of course you do. Yeah, you, rem- you remember Sir Alex moment, Ferguson when um, yeah, yeah, yeah. him and I think it was Mike Phelan were on the pitch when they won the first title. Like, you just know, you just remember these things.
1: That's um, what people
0: want to see? Yeah, of course they do. Like everyone, as a fan, everyone always. Everyone always says, "Oh, players are to players. Need show us they're not robots, and you know, players yeah. are human too." And then we do, we see some like of this, and they're like, "Yeah, sorry, you can't celebrate, you can't do this." can't match, yeah, bit match. It, it, yeah, it's about overkill, isn't it? Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, as as a fan, when I watch a game, and even if it's not an Arsenal game, if I see a ninety-five minute winner, maybe I'm not happy or sad potentially, but like I have a reaction. Do you know what I mean like like yeah? Like you have a reaction to that because you're you're a person that loves football. Yeah, we can we can move on from that. So. We move on to now, one of the only other teams this season so far that, um, uh, I can't remember the other ones that have done it, but like that have toppled T. Like like I watched the game last night. I had um, a wonderful multi-screen scenario with of, of Amazon Prime where my friend, um was streaming uh, the other one. Uh, and I had United, Chelsea in one screen and City at really the other one. And it was a brilliant night. And I'll, I'll be honest with you because you said earlier on that you didn't watch that that City-Billy uh, City game, didn't you? Villa were that's the proper team and even looking at the xg here um, Villa created 2.3 xg and Man City created 0.86 and I saw at one point and I can't remember the exact minute but we were in the second half and a thing came up in the bottom said Man City's last shot and I don't know if it was short shot on target but it said it was the 11th minute so Villa did so well and there was a make it like a 10 maybe 15 minute period where where Villa had Man City penned in, and City just couldn't get out, and it just kept coming back and coming back and coming back, and it was not long after that period that um, that they scored their goal. Uh, and honestly, like, I think that's a real proposition. Do you have any fears for Saturday?
0: Um, even if they were 18th, I would have fears because it is, uh, you know, there are there are na- I mean there are narratives galore, and as much as football is a uh, sport decided by the players on the pitch narratives always seem to weave away in um it's obviously Arteta and Emery there's uh Emi Martinez in Golf for Villa Yuri Tielemans who we turned down to sign on a free in the summer like it feels like there's a lot of people with a point to prove in that side um and as you yeah, they're on a really good run of form they've just um out they've just played the, the treble winners off the park Albeit, you know, treble winners that are very different without Roger, but you know, still an achievement in itself. They're very, very good at home. They've got a striker that's banging form. You look at the team one to eleven, and you think, well, probably like man for man, you'd back most of Arsenal's team, but they just seem to work so well. I am, I, I have some reservations, mainly because I've been part of a new night. Well, not been part of. I've been. Uh, <laughs> You know, we, we've we seen Unai Emery teams and we've seen yeah. similar sort of runs of form, but maybe not with the performances to back it up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they'll come off the boil, but at the moment we're playing them probably in their best form since they're in the championship, arguably. In fact, probably not arguably, like probably their best form since the championship, best scores since the championship. They're going to be tough. It's You know, if, if,
1: if I offer you a point now, do you take it? Oh, it's a good question. I think... I think you. Ha- I have to say no. And that's not even to say that I wouldn't necessarily be all right with a point, but I think that's it. I'd only be all right. And I think that is, after last season, you experienced the margins of what the Premier League is now. And it is, when it gets to the end of the season, you're always going to wish you had more points than you currently do. So I think you have to almost go into every, every, uh, every game and have that risk of, of winning the game over kind of taking... Any type of marginal gain, it's, it's going to be tough. Villa have won the last fourteen home games in a row, so they are a proper proposition at home. But as well as I say about Aston Villa, like how well they played yesterday, and obviously they were fantastic. There was a point early on where Haaland had one or two very good chances. He had a header which was really well saved by me Martinez. If that goes in, could be very very different in that game. So you know, I think a lot of it is down to whether or not we can, I don't know, whether or not we can take our chances well enough to the extent that we get those marginals. It's similar to what Lewin did against us, where obviously I'm not relying necessarily on a goalkeeping blunder like happened against us, but it's almost like if we can maximise our chances early on, then we can hopefully bend the game to our favour. In terms of team selection, Ben, what were you thinking in, in, term, in terms of like the, the team we saw against Luton to Saturday? Do, do you think there's going to be any big changes?
0: I think we'll probably see Zinchenko back in. Um, obviously, it's bad news about Tommy Asu. I think if Tommy Asu was fit, he'd be a shoe in with White on the other side. Yeah. Um, I don't think. I mean, I think in midfield it sort of picks itself. Havertz is in such a good mm. run of goal-scoring for him now. He, he does um, tend he's to really
1: start bench, start, bench, start, bench Yeah. so you think yeah. this is going to be the, the point where he gets the, the ever fabled I th- double I think, start
0: I think he'll get the nod because I just I, I think he'll be really useful especially if we have to go over their press um, mm-hmm. sort of intimate field, getting the knockdowns I know Jesus is really, really good at it um, but having Havertz as well just gives you another outlet um, and I think Saka, Martinelli, I mean Saka, Martinelli Jesus, if they're fit, pick themselves, don't they mm-hmm. so the only change I might see is at left back. We we might see a
1: goalkeeping change, but I mean, <laughs> I I'm think thinking so. it's very unlikely at this yeah. point. So I think even even if Raya was at that point, I think when the alternative of someone that hasn't played for a few weeks and before then hadn't played for a very long time. All things considered, yeah. Then you're not even he, he's not even coming in warm. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll be bringing in a keeper that isn't in the best form in the in the last two games he's played. That also hasn't really played much football. So like we almost kind of fucked even. Yeah, way,
0: it's it's a tough one, isn't it? It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm. What about you? Would you? Uh, what what did you make of Kivio? Like, would you would you give him another start? Do you think Zinchenko just walks back in? Like, because I mean. <laughs> Zinchenko's made some errors, but Kivio wasn't great, so what do yeah.
1: you do? At, at this point, right, to me, Kirio at a left back feels a bit like a square peg in a round hole. And that's not to say that he won't ever be good there. I just think that... And and I think there's pretty evidence it's Luton, he just... He wasn't really in the right areas to be effective. And whether that is offensively or defensively, I get the the logic for playing him, because we're going up against a team... That is going to try and be really, really physical. There's going to be a lot more jewels in the air. This is the kind of stuff that Kirio thrives in. But I think, same as what you said earlier, when Zinchenko came on the pitch, it just it, it initiated quite a big change in the entire team to the point where we're able to push him back a little bit more. We're able to create more chances. Obviously, like how good he's on the ball when he comes in the central area, like he can just be so, so dangerous. And it's not that I expect Kirio to do that. But even if he was to do like, you know, Tommy Asu plays that position this season, and he's done really, really well. He doesn't do it the same as Inchenko, but he has his own way of doing it. I think that Kirior is just kind of struggling for that, to be honest. Uh, it could be a case that he's just he's still adapting. You know, I mean, when he signed him last January, yeah. he's not played that much football. You know, I'm I'm not completely sold on Kirior just yet. I have to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think he's he's one of those players that works in a certain role, and I don't think we've quite found it yet. Um, but but you know. We have to have faith because, what like we've seen what he's what Arteta and Edu have managed to achieve with what the squad that we started with and where we are now. So mm-hmm. you know you have to have faith that if we don't play him, we'll probably sell him for double our money. I would guess maybe like twenty five, thirty million, maybe. Yeah. Um. I mean, that all depends on buyers, obviously. But is we're in that sort of nice Liverpool position where even our off sale, like, do you remember Liverpool when they sell... I think it was like Bournemouth, like Ibe and Shea yeah. and Ojo and um, Danny and Do you know where Jordan Ward Ibe is now? for nine million. I was
1: no. I was wait, 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 wait. I was told this the other day. Jordan Ibe. How, how, do you remember how much? they I mean, Let me actually check here because I'm going to his Wikipedia. Didn't so, they buy him for like 17 million or something? So they signed him for, it's so a club record, 15 million fee. And also, but there was a buyback and a sell-on. Uh, including the agreement. Jesus. Um, uh, at the moment, um, uh, he is at Ebbsfleet, who are playing National League.
0: <laughs> Weren't they playing Ramsgate last
1: week? <laughs> They're not actually too far <laughs> above Ramsgate, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, well, exactly. They're in the same um, league that Wrexham were in last season, I think. Jesus. Or maybe or maybe, this, maybe actually the league below that. But I know it because um, I've got a friend who, um, like around my area, like there's also a team that's called Maidstone, and, and they're doing alright in their league, I think they're, they're kind of they, they got relegated from the league that Rex are in, and now they're in the same league as Ebsleet, and um and my, my friend who supports them said to me, like, do you know who plays for Ebsleet? I don't know, he was like, Jordan I was a fucking hell, that's a fool from grace.
0: Yeah, but as I say it's, it, we're in that position where our players now might actually sell for something, like, everyone wants off-cuts even from, like, from successful teams, whereas before it was like, do you mind if you take this bloke who's doesn't get in our team that finished eighth last season you know mm-hmm. um so i think i think we're in a strong position with most of our squad I think, funnily enough i was thinking this last time we recorded but it's mad to me that we've spent so much money and yet arguably still need to strengthen in all four areas
1: <laughs>
0: like this <laughs> change when you it? think we've got we've got a goalkeeping conundrum at the moment everyone's crying out for a striker uh we need a midfielder because party can't stay fit um and we need at least one defender, probably two. We probably need a full-back and a centre back.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's no matter how good we are, like we're still we're still at those pain points where an injury to Saliba, for instance, I think he's the major one. An injury to Saliba, and we're in a bit of trouble.
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent.
0: As we found out last season. Yeah. So there's still so much growth for this squad, which is kind of scary because when you see how well we're doing with the starting eleven. If we can sort of integrate another three or four players really well, then that'll be I mean—that'll be quite something, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, well, it'd be, be a big January, wouldn't it? Because, you know, I saw a lot of reports today saying that we want to bring in, ideally, a defender, but also as possibly a central midfielder on loan. So, I mean, I don't know if those are true or not, but we'll see. Yeah, um, let's get to predictions, Ben. I mean, it's probably quite safe to say that neither of us guessed... to Arsenal against Lugan. So let's see if we can do slightly better with Villa. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 Arsenal. And I'm going to say first goal scorer is going to be Bakayaseka.
0: I was also going to say 2-1 Arsenal. Um, I'll change that now. I'm going to go 3-2. And I'm going to go... Oli Watkins' first goal scorer, Gabriel Jesus' first Arsenal goal
1: scorer. Oh wow, that's a big call. Could definitely happen as I well. I just,
0: I just feel like in the first ten minutes with the Villa Park crowd, you know, I feel like we'll be on the back foot and we'll claw something out. I'm hope, I hope anyway. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, I hope we start on the front foot, but if we're on the back foot, I feel like <laughs> I don't know, man.
1: we mean see. I mean, hopefully, they got some tired legs because they've been playing. A lot of two-week um, or two-game weeks over the last yeah. Few months. Yeah, but yeah, we
0: can we can hope, can't we?
1: Yeah, I think mean, that's a good place for us to leave it. Um, I'm really looking forward to the game, to be, to be honest, because I think that for all the hoodoo that Emery has had on us um, uh, since leaving, in terms of that that the, the European semi-final and things like that, I, I do think that he's coming to us with the record now. You know, fourteen games won in a row at home is, um, is is pretty amazing, but it doesn't sound as good as fifteen. And I think that Arsenal can be the team, <laughs> can be the team to Emery. Emery, I'm hoping anyway. But if you have listened this far, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I have been the crispiest Luke, and I've been joined by the deadliest Ben. Uh, this is the Bruce Barnett FC podcast, and thanks very much.
0: The okay, guard is joining in, and he's seen. No! Oh, Saka. Yes. Oh.